Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, Hamble out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Goal. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh. kicked the goal from inside the centre. Yes, hello and welcome to the SC Playbook AFL podcast for another week. My name is Eddie. As always, I'm the host of today. We're brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. Uh, And joining me today, a couple of the super coach gurus, uh, the first on the left of my podcast dial, Stevie Nico, coach of Lovsky FC, overall runner up in 2021. Not quite going so that well this year, Nico, but things are starting to turn around over at Lovsky FC. Yeah, looking forward to the week coming. Um, the week gone was um, a bit of a train wreck, but yeah, we'll, we'll discuss in a bit more detail shortly. Can't wait to get into it. And on the right of my podcast dial, the SC Bandit, it's all over your Twitter feeds. Uh, he's an excellent follow. If you're not on the SC Bandit, uh, the uh, Supercoach Bandit, what's your, what's your handle, Bandit? Yeah, at SC underscore underscore Bandit, I think it is. There we go. I don't think I could squeeze the SC Bandit together in one. But uh, yes, that is the Twitter handle if you want to jump on and give me a follow. Hello, boys. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. Nico, I'm not sure if uh, if your week was a train wreck, Nico. Mine wasn't much better because we we had a head-to-head league matchup and only won by 20 points and you had a man not playing. So (laughs) my uh, my week wasn't much better, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, we've got a lot to chat about by the sounds of it. Um, I want to start with you, Nico. Um, run me through your weekend. What went right? What went wrong? Um, what were you happy about? And what was uh, what was giving you the irrits as you were camping in a chuka over the weekend? Yeah. So I did probably as well as Cody Waitman uh, on the weekend with you know one one disposal and two super coach points. He finished up one. That's about how well my team went. Um, so I got a score of two two five three. So that was with one short thanks to Bruce, and um, yeah, went out in the ranks by 3K, so out to 11K at the moment, so yeah, probably as well as my camping trip with with an infant and a toddler as well, so that was a bit hectic. <laughs> Sounds like a great weekend all around. Um, how how close were you to being able to avoid the Bruce donut? Did you... Could you could you get close to avoiding it, or was it was it a matter of saving trades, or what, what sort of situation were you in on Friday? No, I couldn't have... Yeah, I couldn't avoid, um, so I had... Um, I had pretty much everyone that was injured and out, so or suspended. So it was, um, I think it was four or five out. So I just had to, yeah, decide on who I was going to hold, and I ended up holding Pruce over Butters and um, going that way. So hopefully he's back this week, and I've got a, a full side. Um, I also held English as well. So fingers crossed he can somehow miraculously be uh, available this week. What trades did you end up making on Thursday or Friday? Oh, mate, I don't even know. That feels like a lifetime ago for me, um, to be honest, mate. Like, the weekend I've had, um, looking at it, oh, who did I bring in? Uh, I brought in Darcy. I brought in Sean Darcy and um, and Luke Jackson. So, look, could have been okay. worse. They, they both turned up, so that was that was all right. Um, and I've got Himmelberg in there, who's um, making the cog cell uh, a little bit uh, better for me. <laughs> and we, we'll talk about the Brody cell in a little bit as well. <laughs> <laughs> that one might be causing a bit of pain too. Bandit, how about you? How was your weekend? Run us through it step by step. What were you feeling Friday and what were you feeling Sunday night? Uh, yeah, so I scored two two seven two, so beat Nico by 19 points, I think. Um, but as I said, given that he was one man short, that doesn't say a lot about how my team's uh, going at the moment. Um, yeah, that, that score was under par for the week, so dropped a couple of thousand spots. Out to the mid uh, mid twenty thousands, unfortunately. So um, yeah, 
can't do much about that, unfortunately. Um, wins for the week. Uh, I actually ended up trading uh, Gorn and Butters for Wits and Nankervis, um, which turned yeah. out to be a, a huge result with, with uh, both of those guys both posting um, scores in excess of 140. So that was... Um, that was pretty nice. Um, pretty much saved my week um, from total embarrassment. But uh, yeah, on the other side of that, uh, having Isaac Haney and Luke Ryan both score sub 60 as, as primos was not ideal. Uh, and also had Rosas and Judson Clark on field from a rookie point of view as well, which um, yeah, only scored about 60 odd points between them as well. So yeah, the, uh, the bottom end was, was very skinny. Yeah, uh, it sounds like it was a pretty tough week all round. I managed to scrape together two, four, six, seven, um, down twenty six spots to four thirty two. Um, a couple of things that went right. Oliver vice captain was awesome. Uh, Jordan Dawson and Bont and Brody were all kind of relative point of differences that went well. Um, yeah, the really bad ones for me. I brought in Andrew Brayshaw for an eighty seven. That was okay, um, but the really bad one was the a fifty fifty call on Friday. Arvo. Um, was losing sleep over it, didn't know what to do, whether to go um, whether to go Hobbs to Luke Jackson or whether to go Dylan Moore to Luke Parker. Um, and in the end, I went Dylan Moore to Luke Parker. Fe- felt like the right call. I, I thought the, the, the reasoning was right, um, but it ended up costing me about 123 points overall, that, that decision. Um, I think I'm going to try and rectify it this week and, and get Jackson in, but that's something we can talk about. A little bit further down the line, what would you have done in that situation, Nico? Would you have done the Hobbs to Jackson? It, it, Jackson's going to be an F7 or a, or an R3, so it's more English coverage than anything else. Um, but, yeah, what yeah. would you have done? Look, yeah, I do like that play, trying to get Jackson to F7. Um, it does give you that that um, security. Um, but, I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, mate. Like, yes. yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, toss of the coin and, and like... With my side, mate, that I've been getting the wrong side of every single 50-50 call I've made this season. So you've been you've been going pretty well. So if that, yeah, you, I mean, look, you just got to you know suck it up and and move on. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think you did a terrible trade there. Um, it's probably just one of those things where you know the first week might not be great, but then you know come you know the end of the the last round, you're, you're probably going to be ahead anyway. So one 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 I didn't I did want to ask you about that. It sounds like you have got a 50-50 right. Is the Elliot Himmelberg trade? Um, uh, is Elliot or Harry? I can't even remember. Uh, we're talking about Harry here, obviously. Harry, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, talk me, talk to me about Harry, and, and when did you bring him in, and how are you feeling about that trade a couple of weeks later? Yeah, I've had him for a few weeks now. Um, it's a bit of a roller coaster because there's always talk about him getting moved forward, or um, you know, when Bruce went down, he went into the ruck, and that you know stopped his scoring. But I mean, they they threw Haynes forward um, against the Pies. He he looked a little bit out of his depth there, yeah, uh, yeah. a fish out of water situation. So, I mean, there's going to be that risk that, you know, they put him back as he's more comfortable there and, and put Harry forward. But at the moment, I'm just riding it for as long as it, it can go. To be honest, I was kind of expecting to trade him out this week to Bont, um, but I'm going to hold on and, and see how I keep going with him, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, no reason not to at this point. He's killing it. Mm. Um, now, we're all planning our trades this week, but how well do you know your numbers outside of Supercoach? With interest rates going up at the moment, it might be fi- time to finally trade banks and save yourself a bit of cash. Don't know where to start? Shoot Pat and George Mortgage Choice, all one word, a message on Instagram, or give them a call on 0295211611. Mention SC Playbook and they will take care of the rest. The boys have been giving us some great support this year, so thank you to Pat and George. On to this weekend's big topics, lads. Um, the first one is I wanted to ask you, Bandit, um, because actually, sorry, I wanted to ask you, Nico, because you went on last week. 
Um, I want to ask, I asked Bandit and uh, and Dylan this last week about how many trades they've got left. I want to find out how many you've got in the chamber, what you're working with. Um, so yeah, talk me through where you're at with trades, where you're at with boosts, where you're at with cash and what the plan is from here. Yep. So choosing Darcy over Wits cost me some points, but I banked 60K with that move. Uh, I have got six left, six trades left with one boost remaining, and I'm going to use those three this week to bring Bont in. So I'm going to have three left over with the full premium side with a couple of questionable premiums in there. But yeah, three left. Okay, I like it. Um, and Bandit, where you used you used just the one over last weekend, did you? No, I used two. So Butters, Butters and Gorn went out right. for, for Wits and, and Nank. Uh, so it leaves me with six left for uh, the rest of the year and 112k in the bank. So uh, not too bad, but I've got a couple of rookies still left on field, unfortunately. So I'm probably going to have to use two again this week to try and uh, rectify that, especially with uh, English. I'm um, probably more likely than uh, more unlikely than likely rather to to play. So. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, still burning through trades, unfortunately. Have we have we had any news on English yet? Do we know what his chances are of playing this week? I know last time we spoke about it, Bandit, you had crunched the numbers and it was going to be very, very tight as to whether he passes the protocol. Have we had any further word come out on what that's looking like? He passes the protocol. Um, it's just that they're going to probably play it safe with him due to his history. So I think that's been the commentary from the coach um, and the assistant coaches, but um, he's he can play if you know he shows all the improvement that he needs to. Yeah. Okay. And the la- that's the last we heard of that was last week, right? We haven't had any update on that since then. Yeah, yeah I think that's so. pretty much right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, Nico, so you've got that. You're going to have three trades left at the end of this round. Um, I'm assuming those three trades are for break glass in case of emergency situations, or do you still have work to do on the team? What are you thinking with those remaining three? I've still got a tiny bit of work to do obviously i'm relying on Proust going back to his 100 110 you know scoring ways and i've got luke jackson there at f6 as well and i want to try and move him to to f7 so there's still a little bit of work to be done there um i've also got crips and merit and and crisp and short who you know in an ideal world i'd, I'd like to sideways to you know to someone performing um, a lot better than they are at the moment um, but I'm going to have to hold for injuries, I think, at this point and just hopefully um, get um, Luke Jackson um, either to a better primo once he, he, you know, fattens up a little bit in price um, or move him over to, yeah, to F7. You, talk, you mentioned Zach Merritt. How long have you had him? Um, and what are, your, what are your general thoughts on, on holding him as a, an M7 or an M7 or an M8? Or does he, do you think he has to go at some point? I don't, I don't think he has to go. Um, he hasn't been great this year. Uh, he's been a little bit up and down, but he's, he's probably good for that 100 to 110 range um, rather than, you know, the 120 kind of guys that we're looking at. Um, so I can understand the appeal with people looking at, you know, sidewaysing him over to um, to a steel, for instance, who are, they're probably at a, at a similar price. Um, you know, even, even Crips is probably sort of in that, in that ballpark as well where, where people might be mm. considering that move. Um, but look, they've got, a pretty favourable run coming home. The Bombers, you'd think they'd get a couple of wins. They got North there. Um, they got Gold Coast at home. So, yeah, look, I'll, I'm probably just going to hold him and, and see how he goes, I think. Bandit, what about you? Who are you carrying that you, you're kind of very tempted to get rid of with these last few trades? Luke Ryan is probably one. Um, is he on the chopping block or are you, are you just stuck with him at this point? Is he a, a season-long keeper? 
Yeah, Luke Ryan's frustrated the absolute hell out of me this year. Um, he's probably been my worst starting pick, I reckon, outside of um, Lockie Whitfield, who I got rid of after round two and, um, you know, sort of limited the damage there. Um, yeah, Luke Ryan's probably been my my worst starting pick um, for, for this year, unfortunately. Um, and, yeah, given that I'm so light on trades, I think I'm just going to have to hang on to him, unfortunately. It's just one of those things where, you know, trades and um, cash get pretty tight and I think you know if you're not inside the top sort of 10,000 you, you probably are carrying a guy um, Nico with Bruce for example who you know in an ideal world you'd be able to sideways trade and get rid of but um, yeah we just don't have the, the cash or the or the funds to, to do that so yeah Luke Ryan's one that I'm, I'm carrying at the moment um, Christian Petrarca's dropped right off after a pretty hot start um, to this year, he's he's tailed off a bit in the last um, in the last month or so, um, and I've also got Merritt and Cripps in my midfield too. So um, yeah, there's a few a few spot fires in my team, unfortunately, that I just won't be able to fix. Nico, I didn't put this in the run sheet, and I'm going to ambush it with you, ambush you with it a little bit. Will Brody, um, mm. talk to me. What was the reasoning behind? I don't think we've spoken to you since you made that trade. It would have been two weeks ago now. Yep. Talk to me about the reasoning behind it and and how it feels a fortnight on. Yeah, look, it doesn't feel great. I mean, look, it's it's probably another seventy thirty like a call that I've that I've made, like being the thirty percent sort of bracket, thinking maybe Fife's just going to have that that impact. Maybe he's going to have you know less time on ground again, or or you know less midfield time. So there was just that little bit of doubt that being the position that I was in, I was I was quite happy just to gamble and and give it a crack. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know. I'd be way better off if I've held Cogs and I've held Brody. Um, you know, I'm not, and I'm not worrying about you know finding upgrades um, or having old Jack, Luke Jackson at F6, for instance. But um, look, it's just one of those things where I took a punt. Obviously, he wasn't playing that that last buy round, so I brought someone in who who was, um, and that gave me you know the the 18th player or the 19th player I needed. And yeah, I mean, obviously, no, it, Fife I- hasn't really affected him too much, has it? I see. I, I vehemently disagreed with you on the Cogs decision, but I genuinely was with you on the Brody one. I thought that was the that was the right call, especially given um, you know the position. It was a, it was going to be an easy way to to gain three thousand ranking points if Brody stunk it up and you had someone else sitting there. Um, and again, like you say, in hindsight, is twenty twenty five doesn't really look to be um, as effective as he as he was pre injury. They're definitely not using him in the same way they once were. And, and Brody's just a Brody's just a really good footballer. I mean, I don't think we, mm. even when he's been playing this these really good football to start this season, I don't think we all really thought he was that good. It was more of a role based thing, but he's genuinely good. Bandit, what, what like where's that come from? Like why why is he now such a good a good footballer, Will Brody? I think they're just playing him in his natural position. Um, I'm, I'm with you guys on the Brody trade. I actually did trade Brody out um, before his bye week um, to Bontempelli. So, you know, for me in, in that context, you know, Bontempelli scored 120 and then 136 in, in my team. Um, you know, yes, Brody had a good week last week, but, you know, I'm still points ahead on, on that trade. Like it's still a net yeah. gain, if that makes sense, because I'll, yeah, I'll get an extra score out of Bontempelli for the rest of the year that, that Brody didn't. So... Um, yeah, well, it's it's just one of those 50-50 calls. We've had plenty of them over the over the course of this year. George Hewitt's a, a classic one at the start of the season where he started scoring really well. Those who didn't have him were like, no, nah, he can't sustain it. And there's plenty of other people who jumped on um, and he's been able to sustain it. You know, that's a, that's a 50-50 call. Um, Sicily's another one who, 
you know, there was plenty of question marks over at the start of the season with that knee injury. Um, he's come back and, and just been dominant um, back there for, for Hawthorne and from a super coach point of view as well. So, you know, it's just one of those calls. You need a lot to go right in, in this game and more often than not, um, you know, it can be a game of chance at times. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's plenty of coaches who would have been faced with, with 50-50 calls over the over the season and they've, they've got it wrong, but that's just that's just the way it goes. Yeah, you have to just back your reasoning in the end, don't you? Like, Nico, the reasoning was sound. You went for it. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those ones. It it can go wrong, but it could have gone. It could have gone very, very right. Um, and there's a, a lot of worlds in which it does go right. Next thing on our um, list of things to talk about today is uh, Tom Stewart. It's a it's a big topic, not just for sort of SC playbook and and super coach people. It's it's a big topic for the AFL in general. Uh, it's not usual that one of the big star players uh, acts up in this way. I, I think you know Chris Judd with the chicken wing was was one of those instances where it happened um it doesn't happen often um first off i wanted to ask you bandit um were you watching the game did you see did you see the hit from stewart on press here and, and what were your first thoughts about it yeah I, I did watch the game um first initial thoughts were it didn't look good um and then the more you watched it the more you realize just how bad it did look um yeah so yeah i think i, I don't see a world in which he doesn't miss at least four weeks uh, yeah. know, he's obviously going to the tribunal this week yeah hard to see how he gets any less than than four i think these are the sort of things that um the afl are pretty keen to to stamp out there's been some pretty strong commentary around it already so yeah if he misses anything less than a month i'd be i'd be pretty surprised nico what are your what are your thoughts yeah i think it's around that three to four week minimum um the ball was long gone and he's chosen to bump and, and got him high they might argue the height difference and all that kind of rubbish but I don't think it's going to have any factor whatsoever. He's, um, yeah, the ball was gone. He cleaned him up. Um, not as bad as, you know, it used to be back in the day where you, you know, line someone up, you know, off, off the center off back line or the wing or whatever. And, you know, it wasn't anything like that. It was just a, a split second or half second decision, you know, where he's chose to bump and, you know, it's going to cost him a, a, probably a month on the sidelines. I know it's not, I know it's definitely not in the same, um, in the same ballpark, but the first thing that I thought of when I saw it, was the camp the uh, the old Dean Solomon hit on Cameron Ling with the the sort of elbow raised past the ball and it's just that it's that action of raising the elbow which which is really really bad it's really poor there was no there's no reason to do it so I think yeah we were as we as we take this did he raise take, the elbow I thought there was there was a there was a little raising of it there was just oh, enough I reckon no, it was just yeah, shoulder on head yeah I think it was shoulder on head yeah yeah okay all right maybe I was looking at the wrong frame but I thought there was just a little hint of a hint of elbow coming up which. Yeah, you don't want to see. I think he's going to miss at least a month. As we tape this, um, we don't know what the tribunal is going to come out with. I suspect, I suspect, given Stewart is uh, is of good character and is you know he's known around the league to be, uh, for the most part, a fair player. I think he probably gets three. I think four definitely wouldn't surprise me. Five, maybe would be too much. I think in any case, um, Bandit, the the decision has to be made by people this week. You have got to trade Stewart, right? You can't hold a bloke at this stage of the season for, for even if it's three weeks. You probably have to get rid of him, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think if he's yeah anything less than three, you can probably make a case for holding. But yeah, I don't think he's, yeah, I don't think there's a world in in where he'll get less than three matches for that. So um, yeah, at this point in the year, he's a he's a must trade because at the end of the day, if you do hold him, I was having this discussion with a mate of mine um, earlier today. In fact, he was considering holding him and bringing um, a rookie on field as as cover. Um, yeah. At this stage of the season, you know most of the top teams have got um, you know are at full primo. And they'll be trading Tom Stewart out this week for another primo. So, um, yeah, you really can't afford to be losing ground to those teams who are going to trade Stewart out. 
um, and, and get a, a primo score and replacement for as opposed to um, you know holding a rookie. We're, I guess we're very sorry to interrupt. We're very um, overall focused um, with our podcast. I mean, if you're on top, if you're on top of your leagues and you're you're flying undefeated, you could hold him and and play you know, a rookie on field and, and take a couple of losses potentially. Um, no issues with that kind of thing. But, I mean, if he's missing three weeks, we've only got, what, seven to go. It's, you know, almost half of the year. You are right, Nico. We are very overall focused and, yeah, perhaps to our detriment. Um, but, yeah, you are right. If you if you are looking in a big cash league, um, yeah, there's absolutely no reason why you can't hold him, especially if you can, if you do have the cash to, I don't know, move things around and get some sort of D, D7 or something in that, that can fit the bill. Um, assuming that you do trade in Bandit, uh, Stewart's at 562k, which which opens up um, a multitude a multitude of possibilities. You basically everyone's on the table essentially. What are you thinking? What, what where where does your brain go? You've you've got anyone you can choose in the defensive line, assuming that you've got the usuals, um, all the rest of the other the big dogs in the defensive line. Where do you go? Well, who do you think who who's in who's in the gun? Yeah, there's a, there's a few options that that sort of stand out for me. Um, you know, this is assuming you know you've got the likes of Sicily Doherty. Uh, Hewitt, um, Dawson's probably in that in that category now as well. Um, although he's only at th- he's only at thirteen percent ownership, so yeah, he's he's actually probably the the one that I'd most closely look at. I reckon as a as a replacement, um, he's he's going to cost an extra thirty k to to get. Um, but yeah, I mean, three round average of and five round average north of one hundred and twenty pretty much speaks for itself. I think he's the He's a logical replacement for uh, for Stewart if you do need someone at the at the very top of the, the defensive list. Um, but also oh. like guys like uh, Dan Houston and, and Bailey Dale as well. Um, their ownership. Um, Dan Houston's is actually higher than than Jordan Dawson's, but oh. Bailey Dale's are still pretty low. I think those guys provide you know very viable alternatives as well. Nico, what about if you if like you you're sort of looking in that in that pod range. Um, are there any pods in that in that defensive line that you, that you think are worth looking at for Stewart? Um, yeah, I, I reckon that you're sort of leading me to to someone in particular here, but I'll um, I'll just float oh, yeah. the idea of uh, of Saad um, yep. as well. So quite like what he's doing at the Blues, um, scoring really really well. Um, I think it's also very team specific as well. If you've got a few trades, you could probably take a bit more of a punt, like on on a Saad or a Houston or an Aaron Hall. Um, but if you're low on trades, you probably need to look at the safety option of Sicily or, or Dawson or Doherty, especially if you've got, you know, a little bit of coin in the bank as well. But yeah, let's talk Aaron Hall. Let's talk Aaron Hall. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe he wasn't the first cab off the rack, Nico. Talk to me. That it's just that was a piggish performance on Sunday Arvo against the Crows. I, I think saw- I saw today it was the it was the most meters gained. I was about to say he broke a record. Yeah, which is remarkable in a team eleven hundred got- something. In a team that got pretty well spanked, um, I mean that's that's impressive. And you you are an Aaron Hall fanboy. I mean let's let's call it what it is. You love him. Um, what, why why yeah. wouldn't he be your first pick? Well, I mean, look, I love him because of what he did last year, and and I got on early uh, as a forward and as you know a unique um, pretty much. So look, I've got that that love from from last year's you know um, efforts that, that he put up. But look. He's going to score big. The only issue is, you know, he might get tagged potentially. Um, if you're if you're an opposition side and, and you're going to put like a little bit of attention on someone, it's probably going to be him. Um, you know, if you're going to bother um, playing against North Melbourne, but um, he's look, he's he's always going to score well. He's that kind of player who, you know, we know he just gets the cheap touches. 
He kicks way more than he handballs. He takes kickouts. He does all the things that, that we look for. It's just the injury risk. Um, you know, how long is he going to go before he has another tweak? So, Bandit, can I can I interest you in Mason Redmond? Uh, no. <laughs> what no, about not 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 for me? Um, I was just looking a little bit further down the list in terms of um in terms of total points. If you really wanted to make some money off trading Stewart out, you could look at someone like Scott Pendlebury, maybe. Uh, scored 130 on the weekend. Um, looked pretty good um, in a pretty pretty wet game against the Giants. Um, Jake Lloyd um, just you know sort of recaptured some form from three or four years ago and pumped out a 148. He's at 463k, so you could make about 100,000 dollars off off pulling the trigger on that trade. Um, he's only had one good week though. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. He's his average is not not what it used to be. It's in the low 90s, which is a sign that he's dropping off a bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't mind Sard as an option. Um, and your man, Eddie Angus Brayshaw, um, had another good game on the weekend as well. He, he could be a very, viable very option year. as well. He's had a very good year. I mean, with the other, there's some other options there, like Nick Vostone, Hayden Young. I know I've seen a little bit of chatter about. I don't really like either of those. Liam Baker, again, doesn't really do it for me. I, I think this is actually a relevant time. Bannett, you mentioned this, and I said we'd only bring it up if we've got time, but it feels really relevant. What when you're making these trades at this point of the season? What's what stats are you guys actually looking at? Like when you're when you're choosing someone, Bandit. What what is the what is the primary the primary driver of what makes you pick a player? Yeah, so I think once you get to this time of the year, um, you can sort of start deviating away from sort of just looking at total points and their overall average, um, especially when you're just looking to bring in guys for sort of a you know potentially a four or five week stretch. The their overall average or total points might not mean too much. Um, you know, I think you've got to factor in also the teams that they're coming up against, but more importantly, sort of their three and five round averages, because that can give you a bit of an insight into, um, I think, just sort of if there's been a role change mid-season, for example. So Liam Baker's a, a, a good example recently where um, I'm just pulling him up now, but his overall average for the season is 81.3. And his three-round average is 112.7. But that that indicates to me that there's been a role change there, and that and that warrants a bit more investigation into you know how he's going and and you know is, is he a viable option to bring in for the the last part of the season? I think that's a great example where you know the overall average and the three-round average tell very different stories. Um, yeah. And that's that you know we're in the time of the year now where I start looking more at the three and the five-round averages to see you know what roles. Uh, are being played by these players, and are they super coach relevant? He's oh, probably taken. He's probably taken a bit, a bit of Short's role, I think, at the moment because Short's playing a little bit more forward, um, which is why I'd love to move him on as a luxury, but I just really can't afford to do it. Well, um, that's why I brought up Mason Redmond because he's a good example of what you're just saying there, Bennett. His overall season average is 91, and his three round average is 116, and his five round average is 107. Now that that's that's not by fluke. I mean, Essendon. Essendon made clear about four weeks ago that they were going to be moving back to what they were doing last year. It was more free-flowing, more attacking. Um, he's free off halfback. They're freeing him up. They're playing him loose a lot. So that's an example of where you, you kind of need to look at the three-round average. Nico, what, what sort of stats stick out in your mind for what for what you look for at this point in the season? Yeah, look, I think the three and the five-round average is pretty important. Um, the only other thing I sort of look at is, you know, the fixture run home as well. Um, and then basically just trying to get the best player you can for the money you can afford. Um, but I mean, look, with the Ruckman, I was, you know, tossing up between 
you know, Wits and um, and Darcy and you know and, and Nank and just thought that Darcy's sort of you know ruck run home looked a little bit better. So and you know banked a bit of money, so I just went that way. So I mean, at the end of the day, it's just another fifty-fifty call. You're either going to get right or you're going to get wrong. But I mean, pick the player you like to watch, um, you know, or the team you like to watch, and um, yeah, just go with your gut. We talk about it a lot when it comes to pods, but but how? How much do you actually put into the ownership stats, Ben? Is that does that factor in at all to your decision making? Do you look at a guy that's got less than five percent, and is that something that's an advantage to you, or how much do they play into it? Um, I think in the right context, it can definitely help you, um, especially if you're sort of looking at the the top end guys at any line. You know, you might be looking for a guy who's you know over five hundred k in the forward line, and you might just look at the ownership and and look for a um, you know a mini pod, I guess, of, of that you know price bracket, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a double edged sword, isn't it? You might you might pick someone like Taylor Walker, for example, who currently has a one point two percent ownership um, and it has a three round average of one hundred and twenty. So those stats, you know, indicate that you know he could be a decent pod for you, but you know he could come out the next week and score forty and, and not get near it. So. Um, it is definitely a double-edged sword when you're looking at ownership. I generally don't put too much um, stock into ownership percentages at this time of the year, especially because um, there is quite a bit of um, what I call um, ghost teams in the Supercoach ranks, which do tend to inflate those stats a little bit. So someone like a Stephen Canelio, for example, has a still has a 60% ownership, but a lot of that ownership could be coming from teams that, you know, people just aren't checking or, or updating every week. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's something to think about as well. And that's, that's a really good chance to plug um, Adam Jerusi, who is the CEO of Quantium. Um, he does a weekly analysis where he looks at the actual ownership percentages in the top 100,000, 10,000, um, and that's just an incredibly valuable article. So if you're not reading that every week, uh, make sure you do check that out. Last thing I wanted to ask you guys about um, regarding Tom Stewart was um, there's been a bit of chat about red cards, Nico, in the AFL. Um, are you a red card guy? Are you are you into that at all? No, no, I'm not really into it. I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I like to to not you know change the rules and and the stuff of. Well, I don't like to change our game too much, which obviously we've been doing a lot of, you know, in in the recent history. So I'm not a big fan at all, mate. To be honest, works really well in other codes, you know, sin bin and and you know red card in soccer, all that kind of stuff. But I don't know if it was to be brought in, it would have to be for that sort of clear cut serious misconduct kind of stuff, not. Not anything else, in my opinion. Bandit, you're a local footballer. I've also played a lot of local footy. Um, The red card and yellow card in local footy, I remember it working really effectively. Um, You know, yellow card comes out, play gets 10 minutes off, they cool down, they come back on. The the team isn't short for that time. They're allowed to substitute them. The red card, obviously, they're one short, but the yellow card just comes off as like a, yeah, you basically got 10 minutes in the sin bin. Are you a fan of it? Do you like that in local footy? Uh, Yeah, I've never been on the receiving end of one of those uh, (laughs) cards, thankfully. Uh, (laughs) Look, I, I think it has its place in local footy because I think um, those cards are, you know, they're there to first punish the player, but they're also to take the steam out of um, what can potentially be quite a, a volatile situation. Um, you know, I think we've all heard horror stories of, you know, local footy where something happens on the field and that player then gets sent off and then spectators get involved or, you know, match officials or things like that and there's not potentially the security to sort of police, um, you know, the situation from escalating. So... Uh, you know, I think in local footy, it's definitely got a place. I think in the AFL, I mean, just look at the score review. Like the score review is not a perfect system yet either. 
Um, and now there's talk of bringing in a potential, you know, red card system where there's, you know, a, a third umpire sort of um, system where, you know, th- there can be a review mid-game and then they can make a decision. I just, you know, ask any ask any AFL supporter if they think that, you know, officials can make the right decision in, in that moment. I think the resounding answer would be, would be no. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't like it. Um, as an as a concept for the AFL, um, I just think there's yeah inevitably there'll there'll be a situation where they make the wrong decision and people will, will turn around and say why do we why do we have this? Yeah, I uh, I think on the whole I'm with you. I put put out on Twitter yesterday this uh, this idea that I had about um, a tech foul and a flagrant foul that they use in the NBA. It's it's actually very similar, just yellow card and red card. Ultimately, I think it's fine. Like this sort of incident happens what once every two three years, like. How often does a does a guy like Stewart knock out a guy like Prestier and and he's out for the game? It happens very rarely. I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to move heaven and earth to make it happen. Um, the next thing I want to talk about with you boys, uh, we've chatted about him a little bit so far. And Nico, I'm going to throw to you because you actually own him. Uh, Luke Jackson, talk to me about what you saw in him that made you want to bring him in, um, and whether you think other coaches should be wanting to bring him in too. On the back of uh, what a, what was a great performance on Friday night? I think the play was last week, so. With, with Gorn out for probably what looks like minimum two weeks. Um, at least that's what, you know, the injury report tells us and, and you know, news coming out of the out of the club. Gorn thinks he's he might be right for this week, but I think they'll probably play it a little bit safe. I think, yeah, if you're going to bring him in this week, you're probably only getting him in for one week as the number one ruck. And, and really that was the appeal of, of trying to get him in last week was, you know, you're going to get two weeks of him at least. Um, hopefully, you know, potentially up to four um, of him being, him being the go-to number one ruck and, and you know, pumping out like a 120 like Darcy Cameron has been doing. So I missed that boat. So I was like, oh, I'll jump on this one and, and see how we go. So, yeah, that, that was the reason for bringing him in. But I'd, um, I wouldn't advise, um, you know, doing that move now. Bandit, what do you think? You watched the game on, I think it was actually Thursday night, the Lions-Melbourne uh, game. What did you think of Jackson's performance? And does that give you, does, that, does it make you want to bring him in? What, what do you think about him as a, as a player? Yeah, it was it was pretty impressive um, against pretty stiff opposition as well. I know um, Oscar McInerney isn't a you know he's not overly super coach relevant, but he is quite a difficult ruckman to score against. I think there's been lots of rucks who've played Brisbane this year who um, you know haven't scored as well as what they would have probably otherwise because of because of the way that McInerney goes about it. So um, yeah, to pull out a, a game like that, I thought was was super impressive. Um, worth noting that the Melbourne injury update did come out today. And had gone as a one to two week um, prospect, so mm. I saw that he was back running at, at training today, which would suggest that he's not um, far away from from coming back. Um, and the prognosis may not have been um, as bad as as what we first thought potentially. So, uh, yeah, I, you might get a little sugar hit from him in the next couple of weeks, Jackson, while Gorn is out. Um, but yeah, I think once Gorn comes back, um, we've seen over the course of the season so far. Um, Jackson's been quite up and down with his scoring. Um, I think he's had, from memory, I think he's had five scores of 70 or less potentially. So, um, But he's, he's coupled that with, um, I think, three scores over 120. So that just gives you an idea of the um, the fluctuation that he's got in his scoring still. Um, but yeah, I you think... Might he- get- you might get another week potentially when Gorn does come in and they sort of ease him back into it and maybe it's, you know, still a 50-50 kind of split yeah. until then Gorn, you know, takes over the majority again. Yeah, what exactly. do you think? What do you think for people in a situation like me who are holding Tim English, um, who's likely going to miss another week, we're currently fielding the likes of a Judson Clark or a Ben Hobbs or whoever it is at F6, 
Um, is it is it a worthwhile play? Noting that it might only take one trade to get a Hobbs to a Jackson rather than a, a sort of upgrade downgrade situation. Would you do that trade, Nico? Yep. Based on essentially getting max two weeks of Jackson at this sort of level. Yeah, in, in your situation, absolutely. Um, especially if then once Gorn is back and you know you can move him on to to the bench um, and keep him as that security option, then by all means, mate, absolutely. I would do that in your position um, probably every single time. Yeah, okay, good. That's given me some uh, some nice little advice there. Thank you, boys. Um, so basically, the, the upshot is situationally, depends if you want to get him. If it's purely as an F6, probably not. Um, but if it's to if it's to eventually move him to an F7, R3, um, potentially do it, we think, depending on your trades, how much money you got, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it, it's kind of relevant to, to jump to this now because a lot of people are going to need some cash this week. Still got a lot of injuries to deal with. Still got the likes of Butters, um, English, Bruce, potentially to, to deal with if you haven't already. Uh, Bandit, you brought these up in our chat, so I'll throw to you first. Um, downgrade options this week. One, run me through who's on the bubble, um, or even if not on the bubble, who's worth looking at as a downgrade option? Yeah, so we do have uh, some bubble boys worth worth talking about uh, this week, um, just because you know some people might need some uh, some cash generation. So the main three that I had uh, on my list was uh, your man Eddie Massimo D'Ambrosio. Massimo, great name, great name. Uh, Brody Kemp from the Blues and Rhett Bazo from West Coast uh, have all played their second games now and will be on the bubble this week, provided they all hold their spots. Um, for mine, I think, just looking at that list, um, Massimo looks like the most likely option, being a 102K rookie from the mid-season draft. Uh, scored a couple of 50s to date. Um, looks like his role is pretty good in that Essendon team. I must admit I didn't watch um, any of that game from from Saturday where they got done by West Coast. But um, from all reports, he's a pretty lively type. Um, he's got some really solid performances in the VFL before coming into the AFL team. So, um, yeah, he looks like a bit of a goer. Um, and Brody oh, he's Kemp, a really good kick of it. He's a surprisingly good kick of the footy. He was I knew he could accumulate at VFL level. Actually, I hadn't seen him dispose of the footy. But, um, yeah, he's, he's a beautiful on that left foot. Um, seems to see – you know how some guys just see options that other guys don't? He's that type that always sort of looks in the middle and, um, yeah, can find guys that, that other guys might miss. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's a great option, I think, as a, as a downgrade. Yeah, and the other one um, that sort of stands out a little bit just from a bit more scoring potential is is Brody Kemp at, at the Blues. Uh, scored 73 in his second game on the weekend against uh, against Fremantle. Um, probably the main question mark on him is a bit of bit of job security. Um, Wetering's probably not not super far away from from coming back, um, so you could potentially end up with a you know a bit of a dead rookie situation where he might get you you know, 60 to 100K or even less than that, 60 to 80K, you know, relatively quickly, but then he sort of loses his spot or, um, you know, someone comes in to replace him and, and you're sort of stuck with a an in-between rookie who hasn't quite um, who hasn't quite fattened up completely. Um, so that's – and also the elevated price tag, I suppose, of 156K um, isn't, isn't all that appealing either. So, um, yeah, that's probably something to, to think about with him. Um, Rep Bazo is probably the – the least appealing option of, of the three he only scored 37 points against Essendon um, to go with uh, the 40 he scored in his, in his first game. Um, he's a defender forward. So a bit of a, bit of a swing um, option there. If you still got someone like McCartan or, 
Sam DeConing in your in your team on your bench. Um, that could open up a, a swing set for you. But uh, yeah, he's probably the one that I'd be least inclined to to have a look at. Yeah, he got a bit of the ball, Bazo, but um, by the looks of it, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't very effective with ball in hand. I think he went at fifty percent efficiency, had eleven or twelve touches or something. So yeah, he's probably he's probably the worst of the three. I, I, I really like Massimo. Um, have you got Massimo, Nico? Are you, you going to be bringing him in this week? He's part of the plans for this week. Yeah, so one or two k. I just need that. Yeah, that price point really. So um, I think he's a clear option out of out of those three. I wouldn't touch Kemp with. Um, what Bandit touched on, you know, the price, um, the elevated price there, and, and Bazo is probably going to be out of the team soon. With West Coast showing, you know, that they're not going to be easy beats for the um, for the remaining games. Um, next big topic, Bandit, um, is your forte. I want to I want to hear about the state leagues. Um, I want to hear. We've got a couple of relevant guys. I've got fucking Elijah Holland sitting on my bench. He's been there all all year. I can't get rid of him. I don't know what to do with him. Um, I don't need the <laughs> I don't need the loop anymore. He's just useless. Talk to me. Is 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 Holland's going to get a game this week? Uh, no, I wouldn't have thought so. Not based off his um, his performance in the VFL on the weekend. So yeah, I've uh, put together a bit of a bit of a summary. Um, I'll try and try and get through it as quickly as we can. We don't want to sort of um, bore everyone to death with me just uh, talking nonstop for ten minutes. But yeah, we'll we'll go through um, all the VFL uh, affiliates for the AFL teams, and then around to the um, the other state leagues and the Sample and, and the Waffle. So uh, yeah, just going through the um, the VFL. Um, stats from the weekend. So um, Collingwood played Brisbane. Um, Brisbane had a 25-point win. Um, Reese Matheson had a massive day. He had 40. Um, Tom Fullerton had 24 touches and three goals. And Darcy Fort had 20 touches and two goals. So some selection pressure there at Brisbane. Uh, Josh Carmichael, for your boys, Nico, um, had another really promising game after the Pies got him in the mid-season draft. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big rap for him as well, a fellow. Nico loves Carmichael. Boy like myself. Uh, he had 24 touches and, and four clearances. Um, sounds like he's going pretty nicely. Mm. Um, to be honest, he'd be one of my first picked um, rookies next year if he doesn't debut in, in 2022. But it does sound like um, debut isn't far away for him if the opportunity arises. Um, that was pretty much all, all to report out of that game. Um, Sydney played Sandringham, which is St Kilda's VFL affiliate. Not much to come out of this game. Um, Joel Amadi was probably BOG for the Swans with five goals from 23 disposals. Uh, and James Bell had 34 disposals and seven clearances for the Swans. So if they want to make a change there, they're probably the two guys that have put their hand up the most. Uh, for the Saints, uh, Jack Higgins had 18 touches and a goal to go with five clearances. Um, so it looks like he should probably come back in for the Saints, given how dismal they were on uh, on Saturday night. Um, and Tom Highmore had 35 touches as well for the Saints. Um, in the Footscray and Box Hill game, which is obviously the Bulldogs and Hawthorne. Uh, Lockie Hunter had 26 disposals. Um, he looks like he's getting closer to coming back into the, the Bulldogs senior team um, pretty soon. Toby McLean is another one who might get a look in as well. He had 19 touches and kicked two goals. And uh, and another one of your boys, Nico Buku Karmas, kicked three goals, two from eight touches. So he could have had a really big day if he'd, uh, if he'd had the kicking boots on. Um, from the Hawthorne side of things, it was pretty quiet. They were pretty soundly beaten on the day. Finn McGuinness had 24 touches and Josh Ward had 19, um, but that was really as good as it got for uh, for the Hawthorne listed players in that game. Uh, Gold Coast uh, had a big loss to Casey up on up on the Gold Coast. Um, they had plenty of guys who found lots of the ball. Rory Atkins had 35 disposals. Charlie Constable had 25 and six clearances, and Darcy McPherson also had 25 and seven clearances. 
um, and Alex Sexton kicked a couple of goals as well. Uh, your boy, uh, your boy Eddie Elijah Holland's only had one goal too from fourteen touches, so I'm not sure that's going to get him a, a look in this week. Unfortunately, um, it's getting to the point where you might not see him at at, uh, at AFL level this year. Unfortunately, it's amazing. A Gold Coast really going that well that they can't bring him in? I don't get it. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? They've got a lot of guys who consistently do well. Charlie Constable's another one at, at VF level yeah. who continually racks it up, and yeah, just can't seem to get a look in. Unfortunately, so. Remarkable. Yeah, a bit of a bit of a strange one. Um, just on the Casey side of things, Mitch Brown had an absolute day out. He kicked six goals, six from twenty-one touches and ten marks. So clearly, oh clearly, BOG in in that game was uh, was Mitch I Brown. Still, I still, I still hate the Bombers for letting him go. He was such a valuable third or fourth tall. He he really was. I, I don't know why we let him go. Yeah, he's just a good depth player, isn't he? Um, yeah. A couple of other guys to mention: Jacob Van Ruyen, who was a, a draft pick from. From last year, kicked three goals. He's one to keep an eye on in, in 2023, potentially. Uh, and Jake, Mike Tyson, Melksham kicked two on his return to the AFL <laughs> team. So good to see him uh, back amongst the goal kickers. Uh, for Essendon, they played Williamstown, had a pretty easy win. Williamstown are, are battling in this in this comp uh, this year. Uh, Kane Baldwin and Alec Waterman kicked three goals each. That was about it for, for Essendon. Baldwin actually kicked his three um, in a row, which doesn't happen very often. There you go. Uh, Carlton played Coburg. Uh, Paddy Dow just continues to rack him up. He had 37 disposals and a goal. Um, Liam Stocker also had 30 touches and, and 10 marks. Uh, Jack, I hope they figure out how to use Stocker. I really like him as a player, but they just, they just haven't found the right role for him. Yeah, he's been a bit all over the shop since um, since he's arrived at Carlton. Uh, Jack Carroll had 19 touches. If there's anyone out there still holding him on their bench, I don't think we'll see him again at AFL level soon, so I'd be looking to, to trade him out if, uh, if you do still have him. Uh, Geelong played Richmond, just like their AFL teams did. Uh, Cooper Stevens had 28 touches and a goal, so he certainly did his chances of a recall to the AFL team, no harm. Uh, Quinton Narkel had 26 touches and a goal, and Ollie Dempsey had 21 and a goal. So some good performances there for the Cats. Um, on the Richmond side of things, Jake Arts had 24 disposals and two goals, and Jason Castagna had three goals to put some pressure on the likes of you know Judson Clark and, and Morris Rioli. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if one of Arts or Castagna came into the team this week for for Judson Clark, who was who was pretty quiet mm. on uh, on Saturday afternoon against uh, against the Cats at AFL level. He might need to go back to to the twos. Um, Noah Cumberland kicked four goals as well, so plenty of depth at, at Richmond currently. They're going very nicely. Um, and then the last VFL game, uh, North Melbourne played the Preston Bull Ants. Not much to come out of this game either. Cal Coleman Jones had twenty five touches, eleven clearances, and a goal. So it was a big day for him. Um, if they do want to make a change um, to their big men in the AFL team, he's definitely put his hand up. Uh, and Charlie Lazaro had 24 touches and a goal um, to if North wanted to make any smaller guys, um, any, wanted to bring any smaller guys in this week, he's, um, he's one that's put his hand up as well. Really good to see Nick Nat back uh, in the waffle. Um, so he should be probably straight back in. Um, and also Lockie Hunter has put his second good performance in a row for the Dogs, so he'll probably come in maybe at the, at the expense of McCoom or something, but I've been holding him in draft, so pretty excited about him coming back in. Yeah, good point on on uh, Nick Nat, Nico. We'll, we'll go to the waffle next. So, yeah, just on Nat Nui, um, he helped uh, West Coast to their first waffle win of the year, so that's a, a great story for them. He had 17 touches, two goals and 26 hitouts, so that's a pretty um, a pretty comprehensive performance. I imagine he'll be putting his hand up to to come back into the AFL team next week. Um, Alex Witherden had Alex Witherden and Greg Clark both had 27 touches, so they're uh, doing their best to, to earn a recall as well. 
Um, for Fremantle, uh, Neil Erasmus had 24 touches and a goal for Peel Thunder. Uh, Matthew Johnson had 22 disposals and Connor Blakely had 20. Uh, Darcy Tucker was having an absolute day out. He kicked three goals from just nine disposals before he hurt his hand. Um, so oh, I'll be, um, yeah, they'll be sweating on that injury assessment uh, this week. But, yeah, that was pretty much all there was to come out of the uh, the Western Australian side of things. And then finally, just to round us out in the sample, uh, Matt Crouch had 42 disposals and a goal. I'm a bit concerned by what's happening with, with Crouch. I don't really know um, what's going on there. I don't know about you guys, but this is the second time he's been dropped and he's fully fit. So that's a bit of a worry for him. Do you guys reckon he's on the move potentially at the end of this? He's got to be on the move, yeah. But they're taking his trade value as well, which I don't get. Like, if, you're not – you're not good. Adelaide aren't – it's not like they need to win or, you know – if it was really about whether he's good enough for the team, just just put him in there and get his trade value up. They're they're tanking it. I don't get it. Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Um, outside of that, it was it was the Lachlan show in the uh, Adelaide Crows reserves team. Lockie Shoal had thirty two disposals. Lachlan Gallant and Lachlan Murphy kicked two goals each. So plenty. Of- I love Shoal. I don't know why Shoal's not getting a game either. I really enjoy him as a player. Yeah, he looks like a bit of a Brody Smith replacement potentially when Big when part. Smith eventually moves on. I think he's definitely one for the. One for the future there at the Crows. Um, and then just finally on Ports Reserves, they got a touch-up against Glenelg. Orazio Fantasia kicked four behinds from 17 disposals. So <laughs> he could be in the frame for selection this week, even though he didn't get <laughs> a goal. He certainly had his chances. Um, but yeah, outside of that, it was a pretty grim day for the AFL-listed players at, at Port Adelaide. I think they only kicked five goals for the game and got done by 40-odd points. So yeah, not much to report outside of that. Love it. Thanks, Bandit. Um, very, very good intel, if not even for this season. Uh, very good intel for next season as well. Um, always good to keep these guys front of mind. Uh, now, boys, if you like a punt, check out topsport.com.au. They're the home of the best same-game multi in the business where the odds actually add up. We'll be previewing their markets throughout this season. Use the code SC Playbook if you're linking up their, your account so they know we sent you. It helps out the podcast immensely. 18 plus only. Gamble responsibly. Um, boys, what do you like for this week? Nico, have you had a chance to look at the markets? And, and yeah, what are you thinking for your play of the week on Top Sport? Yeah, I had a look on the train ride home. Uh, I'm still uh, a little bit dirty about West Coast getting a win because I've got them lease wins into um, whoever got into the Brownlow. Um, it was like Neil, Neil, wasn't it? Yeah, Neil. yeah. So that was really looking good for <laughs> up until this week. Um, and West Coast obviously looking like they're going to get way more wins in North Melbourne, unfortunately. Um, but for this week coming, um, I don't mind the dogs at the line. So they're 13.5 points. Um, I think, believe it, that's in the first game of the round. Um, so I've got them. Um, I don't mind Gold Coast to beat Collingwood. I think Gold Coast are in quite good form, even though Collingwood are as well. But on their home deck, um, Saturday night could be a bit dewy. Probably, you know, a bit better uh, of the conditions for them. And um, and Richmond to win at a dollar twelve, so I multi all them up uh, to get four dollars and six cents. Absolutely love it, Nico. I'm going to go St Kilda win under the lid against Carlton. Um, I think they bounce back after a poor couple of weeks um, into Sydney minus nineteen and a half against the Dons at the MCG. I think they'll absolutely towel us up. So you can get four dollars sixty six if you multi those together. Bandit, what do you got for us? Uh, yeah, I like uh, where am I here? I like uh, yeah, I like Carlton to beat the Saints. I think if Carlton are fair income, these are the games that they need to just be winning these days. So I reckon they will do that on uh, on Friday against St Kilda. Uh, I think the Swans will beat Essendon at the G. Um, so I'll take them head to head. Who else have I got here? 
Um, I reckon the Giants will beat Hawthorne on Sunday in Sydney. Uh, and I reckon Freo will get the job done against Port Adelaide, even though Port Adelaide are actually going quite nicely. I think Freo, again, they're in the same basket as Carlton. If they're fair dinkum, um, they just turn up and win these games. So, uh, yeah, those uh, those four games will get you $4.30 on top sport, which I'm happy to play. Love it, Bandit. Um, on to our plans for this week, fellas. Um, I've already spoken a little bit about mine. I think I'm going to go Ben Hobbs to Luke Jackson. Nico, you've got three trades in the chamber this week, and sounds like you're very keen to use them. Walk us through what you're going to do. Yeah, so I'm going to trade out Ware, who's pretty close to his kind of peak price. Roses, who, who definitely has um, reached his top. Uh, and I'm going to get rid of Curtis as well, even though he's got a negative break even. Um, he's just got value in him that I need. Um, so those three going out for Bont and D'Ambrosio and another rookie. So whether that's, um, you know, someone like a Carmichael or, or something or a Cully, just probably, you know, pretty happy if they don't play. Um, probably someone with a, a mid-forward swing just to give me a bit more flexibility in the team. But yeah, really, it's just all about getting Bont in this week for me. And that's going to leave you with three trades and a fair bit of cash, I imagine? Uh, no. Well, well, three trades, yes, but cash, no. Probably, I think only like 20K left or something like that. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what about you, Bandit? What are you feeling like you're going to do this week? Yeah, very similar to, to Nico. I think I'll go where out to D'Ambrosio uh, down back. D'Ambrosio will be my D7 potentially for the rest of the year, hopefully. Um, so fingers crossed he can stay in that Bombers team. Um, and yeah, Rosas as well, I think, will be punted um, for a premium who costs no more than $526,500. So that leaves me a little bit light on for, for options. A lot of the guys who I was looking at are more expensive than that. Um, does anyone grab your eye there, boys? I know that's off the cuff, I'm, but... I'm just getting the player database up as we speak. So we're talking a forward, yeah? Yeah, talking a forward or potentially a midfielder as well. Um, I can swing Bontempelli from the mids back into the into the forward line, mm. so I could go a midfielder as well. Um, 526, did you say? Yeah, 526.5 I've got to play with. So, um, yeah, from the forward line I've got... Toby Green? Yeah, Toby Green was an option. I know I talked him up last week. Um, he's definitely mm-hmm. one that um, I could have a look at as a bit of a pod. Um, yeah, Taylor Walker, Liam Baker. Or oh, Taylor Taylor Walker scares me a little bit. Um, <laughs> I know I know there's there's lots of there's lots of chat of him there's lots of chat about him on the uh, on the Supercoach Twitter sphere. Whenever he has a whenever he has a big game, people seem to seem to lap it up. So um, yeah, he could be one. But yeah, I think I'll probably steer clear of of your key forward types. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll have to have a bit more of a look at that as the week unfolds and make a call one way or the other. Yeah, love it. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting call. I mean, keen to see where you go with that, Bandit. Um, it's a, a good good place to go into. Our, if you're after premium content, sign up to ST Playbook for $20, which gets you our entire content library for the remainder of the 2022 AFL season or $40 for the full package covering AFL, NRL, BBL. Gets you access to stacks of extra articles every week of the preseason and in-season as well as entry to our exclusive WhatsApp group where you can chat with contributors like Bandit about your team. Um, and uh, yeah, I want to, if you're going to put in the this week, Bandit, what you're going to end up doing with that trade. So if you want to hear what Bandit does with that trade, um, you need to join SC Playbook for $20. Uh, it was $30, so it's $10 off for the rest of the season. 
you're not interested, don't worry. We've got sacks of free content to rummage through on the site. Visit scplaybook.com.au and follow our Insta, F, uh, Facebook and Twitter socials at scplaybookafl. What about captains and vice captains this week, Bandit? Where are you leaning? Uh, well, I captain Rory Laird last week, which is which pretty nice. much single handedly got me the win over uh, over Nico. So sorry, Nico. Um, <laughs> yeah, it looks like a pretty straightforward week again. Um, we've got guys, uh, Brisbane and the Bulldogs play Thursday night, so you got your usual suspects in that game: Neil McRae, Bontempelli, Dunkley. Um, they all look like pretty solid options. Um, Laird plays Melbourne on Saturday, which could be a tricky little matchup for him. So I might um, might steer clear of him this week. Uh, Took Miller, I think, scored 160 against Collingwood earlier in the season, so he looks like a pretty decent option uh, on Saturday night. Um, pretty slim pickings on on Sunday. Um, Richmond play West Coast, GWS play Hawthorne, and Fremantle play Port Adelaide. So not not many viable captain options. There on Sunday, so I think we'll... apart from apart from Cogs, you mean, of course, Bandit. Oh yes, of course. How could I? How could I forget? Can you? Or Himmelberg. Or Himmelberg. Yeah, yeah. I don't have. I don't have either of those guys, so they're not options for me. So I reckon I'll. Uh, I reckon I'll probably go Neil into Miller this week. So Callum Mills has a one sixty seven yeah. against Essendon back in round nine. Um, I like the look of that. I like Jack McRae has got one hundred and fifty one average in his last three against Brisbane including a 137 at Mars Stadium last time they played, which is where they're playing this week. And the last one, um, who I really, really like the look of, Clayton Oliver, 167 in his last three against the Crows, including back-to-back double tons um, in 2020 and 2021. So I think that's probably where I'm leaning for my captaincy. I think I'm probably going to go McRae, vice-captain. Nico, you're nodding away at me over there. I assume you're thinking quite similar. Yeah, I am. I really like a, a milestone VC and C as well. So Luke Parker's got his 250th game this week and McRae's actually mm. got his 200th game. So um, don't mind that shout for, for McRae VC. But I think I'm going to go Mills VC into Oliver C just based on their history against the Oppo that they're playing this week. I uh, love it, boys. Um, last thing to get through today. We've got a couple of really quick questions. Um, the first one is for you, Bandit. Cram Jono on Facebook wants to know, you had to pick one player to go Tom Stewart to. Who are you going to? Oh, it's a good question. Um, I reckon if you didn't have him, you'd have to go Jordan Dawson, um, just purely for the fact that um, that he's so lowly owned. I mean, he's the third or fourth um, scoring defender in in that position, and he's only owned by you know thirteen in every. Hundred teams. That's that's pretty crazy to me. So I'd be um I'd be jumping on him if you can if you can afford the thirty k jump from Stewart to Dawson. He'd be he'd be my pick. Love it. And last question for you, Nico from Corey Blackledge. What do you think of Butters and Witherden to Liam Baker and Hayden Young? I want pods to finish my team. Also, still don't have Clayton Oliver. I'm worried he's going to kill Adelaide this week. What do you think of Corey's ideas there? Yeah, look, I think Oliver probably will. Um, kill Adelaide this week, unfortunately, Corey. Um, you've probably had your chance to bring him in now, to be honest, mate, so you're probably just going to have to go without. Um, looks like you've got about a mil um, to play with there. Um, I'd probably look to getting in like a, a Pendles and a, and a Houston or a Sard or an Aaron Hall, that kind of thing. So um, I'd probably lean towards those guys. I really not – I don't mind Baker. Uh, I'm just not a really big fan of um, – of Hayden Young. Um, I know he's probably done all right recently, but I think that's probably a bit too much of a punt. Um, so 
um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably try and get a get a Pendles and, a, and an Aaron Hall or something and, and have a bit of fun that way. Love it, Nico. Um, that's about all we've got time for today, boys. Thank you very much for your time as always. Nico, you've managed to fend off the kids banging on the door over there. I have. <laughs> Watching that glee is that soon happening. Um, I'm better actually, go and say hello to them. I will. I'm actually um, going to Mildura as well on uh, on Wednesday, um, Bennett, so I might have to hit you up for some lunch options or something. Oh, mate. God, God's country. We'll, we'll sort you out. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely love it thanks for your time today bandit as well um we'll be back next week boys uh speak to you then